annoys me, right? Because I don't work in Asda. I have a job already that I spend my day going to. So when I come out of my work, I don't want to have to go to Asda and do another job. McHugh talking around the house. You didn't get one last week because I'm crap with consistency. I have no discipline. And because I was gigging last Sunday, which isn't something I normally be doing on a Sunday, it's rare to be out telling jokes on a Sunday evening. But I was up at the Fela and Fobble up in West Belfast in the Devonish doing one of their comedy nights. And it was a great night. And I remember the first time I done the fela was in the big tent up Falls Park and I don't know how many thousands of West Belfast ones were in that night but there was a lot of them and uh, I was going on first and like that gig it was weird because when, we, when I was coming up that gig was like the was huge and you always want to have a go at it and then I finally got a phone call to do it and I remember turning up at night and just going, Jesus Christ. Like, the the ramp up onto the stage was huge. Like, I've been backstage with, uh, backstage at Iron Maiden gigs. I've stood at the sale of the stage at Iron Maiden gigs. Like, I know, I've, I've seen those walks. And but see, when you're standing there and you're the one that's going to do that walk. Like, I was crapping myself. Uh, but it was always known as a tough gig. And I was on first that night, and a local comic who'd done it themselves a few times sent me a message going, listen, good luck, but I'm just letting you know, you're getting put on first tonight. You're going to be the sacrificial lamb, and they're going to tear you apart. And I was like, all right, thanks for that. And uh, I remember walking up that big ramp that night, walking out onto that stage, and I had a fucking great night. And a great gig, and the audience were lovely, and they were spot on. And then the next year, it moved to the Devonish. And again, I was told, oh, here, you're going on first. Uh, there'll be a thousand people at Devonish. Devonish is a hard room, blah, 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 blah. And I went on again, had a great time. And then I think I did it again the next year. I think I did it three years in a row. And then... Obviously, the organisers thought, right, you know, people sick looking at him, which they'd be right, like. Uh, but no, obviously, what they've done is they've they've got more local acts and more people have done it and all the rest of it. So I hadn't done it in, I think, four years. And uh, I got a phone call to go back up and do it this year. And again, it's, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's still scary. Like, a thousand West Belfastians in a room anywhere is frightening. Uh, but when you have to go on and tell them jokes, it's even scarier. Uh, so beforehand, I was again crapping it, but went on, and again, the people of West Belfast were lovely, and it was a lovely gig. And, like, the the scariest part of being a comedian for me is, well, the scariest part for me is 
getting the mic out of the mic stand. That's if you ever see me, you've seen me with Jake O'Kane and I come on with a wireless, so I don't have to deal with that. Uh, but getting the mic out of the mic stand when you get on stage is the scariest part of all of it. Because, like, that's the first time they see you, right? So if you walk out and you're messing about, you know, trying to get the thing unraveled, because some sound men do that for whatever reason, they wrap the cable around the mic stand so that when you take the mic out, you've got to unwrap it like you're stirring something. Uh, and then sometimes it's, you know, it's it's in the, the wee bit that holds it. I don't know what that's called. It can be like stiff and you got to, you know, give it a yank. Like, uh, now once I get that out, Fine, red on the stand, dead on my happy days, but it scares the shit out of me for some reason. At the definition, I don't know if anybody noticed or not, but the make stand wasn't the, the one that they had on stage uh, when I was doing sound check. You know, it was quite, it was quite tight. She so had to, you know, yank it to get it out. By the time I got on stage, that obviously changed the make stand because it didn't need as much of a yank. And when I yanked it, thinking, right, this is a bit stiff, I gotta give it some. I hit myself in the chin with the mic and I don't know if anybody noticed or not. Uh, I didn't mention it. I didn't reference it. I just, because I'm a professional now, I just battered on. And uh, I had a nice gig. It was a nice show. Uh, people laughed and they were meant to laugh. Uh, the one thing I did do, though, was, and you should never do this uh, in, well, in the definition anyway, uh, I've sort of same post that I was wrapping up, which I've never done in that room before. Normally I'll just go bump up, bump, bang, thank you, good night, and then leave. But the mistake I made was I got the make stand, put it in the middle, make back in. You know, we know you, you sort of go, all right, this guy's wrapping up. And of course that meant people were like, oh, he's wrapping up. I'm still listening to him, but I'm going to listen to him on the way to the bar because obviously the bar was closed while we were on. So there was a lot of movement at the end, but it was lovely. It was great. Gig. And then I drove home in the pissing rain because July's been the wettest July ever. Uh, like, we've had no summer. Uh, it's just been shocking. I mean, we're, what, second week of, second week of August? Is it the third week of August? I'm yet to... You know that thing when you come home from work and the sun's shining, you go sit at the side of your house and you just have to have a beer because it's sunny? I haven't done that all summer. And, uh, you know, my plan was, you know, at some point over the summer, I would sit out the front of the bar and a few beers. Then as the evening sort of went on, you know, you'd move, make your way into the bar and a few drinks, whatever. I haven't done that either. Uh, just been sitting in the bar. Would you fucking listen to me? I'm sitting out the front of my bar and then as the, as the sun goes down and it gets slightly chillier, we'll get blankets and then we'll go into the bar. Fucking posh prick. Uh, speaking of the bar, I've done more work on it. Uh, it's sort of just adding the decor and putting up pictures and doing bits and pieces, but the whole behind the bar, the actual bar bit, is all Celtic stuff. Uh, and in the Back to the Future stuff get put up the day and all that kind of stuff, and the guitars are up and everything. So there's going to be a regular video recorded in the bar. I don't know what it's going to be. Uh, you know, it'll be put on the internet in an attempt to build a profile so I can sell tickets for a tour that I haven't booked yet. Uh, so, yeah, keep an eye out for that. I'm sure I'll tell you when that's coming along. And then that was the Sunday. So Monday I was in work. Tuesday was the youngest boy's 13th birthday. 
and that meant that all his cousins and his aunties and his uncles all landed down my house three o'clock on Tuesday on my one day off of the week. And like, I make no apologies for this. I do not like other people's kids. Right? And I don't pretend to like them. And I don't, I just don't like them. Right? Because they're not mine. I mean, I barely like my own kids. Right? They're not mine, but yet they're racking around my house. And while mummy's sit chatting crap at the kitchen table. And they're just noisy. And they touch stuff they shouldn't touch. And they'll be banging about the place. And I'm sort of going, I don't have them anymore. Go away. Right? And I generally make no apologies for not liking other people's children. Uh, so that was the, during the day. Uh, oh, and then the night before that, we went to... Uh, well, on the Tuesday, that was his birthday, and all the toddlers were there. I was like, Jesus Christ. Now, they eventually all left. Now, I, I came out and sat out here while they were all in the house, and I was told that was rude. But at the end of the day, I didn't want to listen to them. Right? And... Me not sitting there listening, you know, it was just, it worked for me, it worked for them. Because none of them were talking to me anyway, it didn't matter. Uh, so I sat out here, and then me, and then my kid Broer and his missus landed down, and my kid sister and her fella landed down, and my other kid sister was here. And we played Cluedo for a couple of hours and drank beer. So the evening bit was a lot better than the daytime, but basically because there was no... Well, no, there was. Uh, my sister had her two kids with her. And again, and Celtic were on as well. So, I, you know, it's other people's children. They're like, you're not, I don't have to bother with you. Uh, but uh, what I called uh, the night before his birthday, on the Monday night, we went to went to the cinema to see Indiana Jones. And so what you, do, you go into the cinema and what you're doing is you, you book online, right? So you go online, you book your tickets, you pick your seats, you order your popcorn and your cokes and all the rest of it. So, so basically, you're booking online to beat the queues, and then you go to the cinema, and it turns out you've to stand and queue with all the people who never bothered their arse booking online anyway. Like I'm standing there going, "Are you? Why am I queuing? I booked online. Surely I should go to like a a click and collect." counter and go yes I booked online you know, and you might have to queue at the click and collect counter for a wee while but at least you'd be standing there going well all these other people you know, took the time to book online whereas the people I'm standing the queue with were too kind of lazy to book online so I'm having to stand waiting with them and like, and it's all this automation crap right I mean there's wee screens and you go up and you type in what you want and then prints a ticket and then you've got to stand in the queue to get to the human who gets the stuff that's on your ticket. And I'm looking at that going, well, what's the point in the screen? Why doesn't the guy behind the counter just do what the screen's doing? Because I have to wait on him anyway. So why don't, when I get to him, just go, I mate, I'll have a large Coke, a large popcorn and some hot nuts. Here's the money. And he goes, here's the food. And I go, thank you. Cut out the screen. The screen's just a middleman that there's, that serves no real purpose because it doesn't make it quicker. You end off having to more or less do the transaction twice because it's like, right, I want that, that and that. There's my ticket. And the guy goes, so what drink do you want? You're like, Coke. And what popcorn do you want? Sweet or salted? I'll have salted, please. So you're, you're just doing it twice. And and it's 
fucking put, and all this automated crap, like they all go, oh, it's for convenience and quicker. It's not, it's so they can save money on humans. And the more money they can save on humans, uh, the better as far as they're concerned, right? Because let's be honest, you know, it's like when you go around Asda and they make you do that, you know, you scan the stuff as you put it into your trolley. So that when you get to the end, you just get your wee scanner, put it in the wee holder and it goes, ta-da, you owe me 90 quid. Right? And as they make you think that's a great thing and it's saving you time and it's convenient for you because you pack the groceries as you go and all the rest. It's not. They have that so they don't have to spend the human. right? Because let's be honest, like you're in Asda, you're not going to ring in sick when you get there. right? The wee scanners, they're, they're not going to come in hungover. Uh, you know, you don't. You have to pay one guy to come, to go over and wipe them down every once in a while, and maybe two people to sort of push the button to say yes, Terry's old enough to buy alcohol. You know, and it's not. It's just saving money. It's getting rid of humans, and and it annoys me, right? Because I don't work in Asda. I have a job already that I spend my day going to. So when I come out of my work, I don't want to have to go to Asda and do another job. Because effectively, that's what you're doing. They've got, they've taken the human that they paid to do that job. They've removed them. So now you're doing the job. Difference is you're not getting paid for it. So see, every time I go and do that scan and save thing, you steal something, right? Honestly, start doing it. Start stealing something. Now, don't be going mental. Don't be trying to steal, you know, like a microwave or a toaster or you know, a thirty-two inch Polaroid flat screen, right? Just steal enough to cover your wages while you're there. Because like I say, you're doing the job. You're, I mean, you don't have a uniform, right? But you're doing the job. So say you go to Asda and you're doing the big shop and you're there for an hour and a half, right? Steal about 20, well, not maybe not 20 quid, but about 15, 16 quid. But like, let's say Asda, you're on 10 or an hour. Right, so you're there for an hour and a half. Steal fifteen pounds worth of stuff because that's what they would have had to pay someone to do the job that you've just done for them. Right now, don't don't worry about it because people are like, oh Jesus, what if the catch you? Right, see if you put no way to do the spot checks. Everyone's no way to do a wee spot check on you. See when they come to do the spot check, just if they find that you've stole your fifteen pounds worth of stuff, just turn around and go, oh Jesus, sorry, I thought I'd scanned that. I obviously didn't. Apologies. Beep, beep, there's a done now, no harm done. Right? So steal, if you're there for an hour, steal a tenner's worth. Half an hour, steal something at a fiver. Steal the hourly rate for the length of time you've been in there. Right? And don't, don't, you know, don't steal like a bottle of wine, because that's the first thing they're going to check. When you're like, oh, we'll just do a spot check here, right? check the alcohol, because that's the kind of stuff you would steal. So, so start stealing your wages worth when you're in Asda. Because, like I say, you're doing the job, but you're not wearing a uniform or getting paid for it. So we went, we were at the cinema, and uh, we saw Indiana Jones, which was brilliant. Uh, and did I, like, like Indiana Jones, because uh, the, the, this Indiana Jones, there's talk of time travel in it, right? If you haven't seen it, I'm not railing on you. But there's talk about time travel in it. And people are like, oh, it's so stupid that there's time travel. And it was the same with the Crystal Skull thing when we're like, I can't believe they had aliens in Indiana Jones. It's Indiana Jones, right? I mean, like in the, the there was an Indiana Jones where a man pulled somebody's heart out of their chest by using voodoo magic. 
right? There was an Indiana Jones where they the, there was a whole opening sequence about an antidote and a wee glass jar getting kicked about a dance floor and not breaking. You know, I mean, Indiana Jones, they a Nazi got his face melted off by the Jesus box. You know, and no one went, well, that's a bit far-fetched. But the minute you introduce aliens or time travel, people lose their minds. But it was brilliant at one point, because the Nazis are on it, right? Obviously, because it's Indiana Jones. Uh, and at one point, they're, they're about to travel through time. And Indy says to the Nazi, he goes, here, you've got your calculations wrong. We're going to the wrong, we're going to the wrong time. Uh, right, it's the wrong time place you're going to and then they went through and it turned out it was the wrong sort of time they'd gone to and I really wanted I really wanted Indiana Jones to turn around and go ha see I told you this was Nazi time you were looking for <laughs> but he didn't oh, Lucas missed the trick should have had me writing the dialogue so I had done the cinema, done the Alex Jones, and it was class, and uh, and like, I enjoy the cinema, and I went, funny, I went to the cinema all night with Erin, uh, the 18-year-old, who's soon to be 19, and uh, she dragged me to see the Barbie movie. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't hate all of it. Like, I was, I, I was laughing away during quite a lot of it. Now, if you ask me what the funny bits were, I probably couldn't tell you what the bits I was laughing at were, uh, but it was funny. I didn't hear it all together. I mean, to be honest, I mean, it, it appears to be a movie that's basically going very difficult being a woman and very easy being a man, which is not a fair generalization, but that seemed to be the sort of the gist of it. And, uh, and Barbie ends off in the real world. Because she has to find the person that's playing with her because the person that's playing with her is making Barbie think of death in Barbie land. And then Ken goes with her and then he goes back to Barbie land and he makes Barbie land a patriarchy. Which, to be honest, as I was watching it, I had to Google what a patriarchy is. Because uh, I'm like, well, I don't know what that means. Uh, I'd Google it now and tell you what the thing was, but my Wi-Fi's gone because I'm in the bar. Uh, so I went back and created a patriarchy, which is basically men are in charge. And uh, then Barbie comes back in. Uh, but he, he turned Barbie's dream house into Ken's Mojo Dojo Casa house, which made me laugh. <laughs> My Mojo Dojo Casa House. So I thought I'd come home and rename the bar instead of calling it Terry's Bar. It is now called Terry's Mojo Dojo Casa House. Uh, but the, no, the bar movie wasn't altogether, altogether horrible. Uh, the people sitting behind us with the screaming child was a bit horrible. Uh, but no, it was Oppenheimer or Barbie, and I wanted to see Barbie, so I did the Dad of the Year thing and went to see that. And that's pretty much been my two weeks. I mean, literally, it's been very, very quiet. Oh, gigged in, I was gigging in Letterkenny on Saturday night there. Uh, I haven't gigged in Europe in, in a long time. It's about five years since I last crossed the border to do comedy. Uh, and just as I was about to walk on, uh, I was open for Neil Delamere. He says to me, he says, oh, by the way, he says, they can be very quiet here for the first sort of 
five, ten minutes or so. I was like, oh, thanks a minute, mate. And right enough, they were, they were very quiet for the first five minutes. But then when you walk on and go, Jesus, last time I was in Laddercanny, I had a bit of a rough gig, went home and had a stroke. An audience isn't going to laugh at that. You know, that's you don't open with that. Uh, you sort of lead into that. I just went straight out with it. Uh, but no, it was a lovely gig. Uh, so it was. Because um, when I go down south sometimes, well, Letterkenny from here is up north, but when I cross the border for gigs, sometimes I get in my own head that, nah, they don't, you know, they'll not know what I'm talking about. But they get, although I did do a joke about not having the Macar MOT, and I was only on the way home, I thought, they don't know what an MOT is. But then I know what an NCT is. That's their version of the MOT. So you'd think they'd go, oh, the MOT's their NCT. This is oh, this is de- this is just descending into utter crap. Uh, so with that, uh, I shall leave you to it. Slightly shorter one this week. If you have listened to this, and if you listen to this regularly, it is much appreciated. Uh, leave a review on your podcast listening place, and uh, I will talk to you again down the road. <laughs>